It's the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. Yes, we are finally back. I know it's been ages. That's my fault, not Scott's. I have been working up a storm, and every week I think, oh, maybe we can record this podcast. Then I get, I get called back into work. Hey, Colin, we need you for this. We need you for that. And I have to tell Scott, I'm sorry. Sorry, Scott. We have to postpone it another week. So, Scott, I apologize, but we are here now. We are ready to do this podcast, and we have some stuff to catch up on. Before we get to that, Scott, how have you been? I've been fantastic. Very lazy. Wonderfully lazy. And yourself, other than busy? I've been good. I can't complain. We're in California here. The weather has been nice. I know for a lot of places... In the rest of the United States, it's been very cold, so we've been very blessed with the weather right now. Uh, But I know we also have some boxing that has, at least on the Asian side of things, it's been slow, but it's starting to move, and we're starting to to get some fights announced. So we'll get to that uh, in just a moment, but first, let's look back at a couple of key fights that went on at least a couple of weeks ago let's start off with Maruda and Shigeoka both coming up with big victories uh Yudai Shigeoka the older brother of Ginjiro Shigeoka has got his biggest win so far stopping Ryu Horikawa for the Japanese youth light flyweight title on February 11th this was a really high level bout between two really young kids um Horikawa in the end was just not strong enough. He wasn't powerful enough. Um, he put up a fantastic effort, very brave effort. He looked really good at times, but Shigeoka just too mature, too powerful, and too strong for him. Just broke him down to five rounds. The other bout, Hinata Maruta versus Rio Segal, was something sensational. This was really high-level boxing. Both guys, fantastic boxers. In the end, Segal was dropped twice in round seven, and the referee, Yuji Fukuchi, um, didn't allow Sagawa to try and get past the second knockdown. A marvellous performance by Maruta, who was... He's promised a lot in the past, but this is probably about the only time he's really sure what he could do. And um, on this performance, he looks like he's... He looks like he's potentially going to live up to the early hype. Um, but we'll see. It was a fantastic performance. Let's hope it wasn't a one-off. Let's start with Shigeoka, older brother of Jinjiro, who is... You know, he's he's the next big prospect in Japan, where do you see uh, his older brother going? Like, what, what's his ceiling? I believe he can reach world level. I don't see anything really stopping him other than, you know, he's had three fights. He's still inexperienced. He still has a lot of work to do. Um, I think he's a bit too rigid, a bit too straight up at times. But other than that, he looks class. He's very aggressive, exciting. He's already got a win over Lito Dante, which is really impressive. Um, I think he takes a lot of boxes, just a work in progress. I think he's maybe three or four fights behind where his brother is. But yeah, the potential's there to go all the way. And then moving to Maruda, you have a prospect who has been talked about as well. Had a little bump in the road uh, in that loss to Otake, but really has recovered nicely. You know, I like his his height for, for the weight, especially close to 5'10 uh, for a featherweight. Where is he going to end up? He's going to end up with a world title. At some point, he's going to win a world title. I think he's probably at his best weight now. He started off at sort of Superfly slash Bantam. He's now outgrown Bantam, outgrown Super Bantam. He's got a very good size for a featherweight. 
down the line, super featherweight, maybe lightweight, but for the foreseeable future, I think his future is a, um, a featherweight. I think it's the weight that suits him best. It's one that he's looking powerful at, he's looking quicker, he's looking sharper. There's no need for him to move up in weight again anytime soon. Two huge statements made there by great young fighters in Maruda and Shigeoka getting some big title victories. It's always exciting to see when when the young talent continues to come through. And boy, is there a lot of young talent in Japan right now. Speaking of that, that young talent, we have the Rookie of the Year finals. And Scott, there are fireworks here at these finals. Yeah, so every year... Rookie of the Year is one of the highlights, and this year was no exception. Um, for me, the light flyweight bout between Ryota Karimata and Hiyogo Kimura is just sensational. Five rounds of them just beating the ever-living snot out of each other. The flyweight bout between Akira Hoshiyama and Yasuhiro Kanazaki, Kanzaki was also fantastic. Um, I dare say the middleweight bout between Ikikani and Katsuhiro Nakata is perhaps... The one to watch, though, that was just a fun booth war for five rounds with Nakata taking a split decision. Um, aside from the bouts I mentioned, there was some real controversy in some of the bouts. Uh, but yeah, it was just fantastic show. There was just action after action after action. Uh, most of the bouts were really competitive. There was a lot of split decisions and unanimous uh, majority decisions. Only really one blowout, and that was Subasa Narai, who blew out Sika Fukuda. Really, really good show. Um, you could pick any of those bouts and you'd enjoy any of them. For the Rookie of the Year, is at least in Japan, is that a, a, an event that catches a lot of eyeballs? I know they have you know, the big high school baseball tournament that people love to watch. I, I love the idea of the tournament. Um, and for it to be you know, a lot of the young fighters, up-and-coming fighters, to be going up against each other is that a tournament that generates a lot of buzz yeah so for those that aren't aware the rookie of the year tournament sort of is a national tournament um you have half the tournament based on east japan so that's tokyo kanagawa um and they'll have their own knockout tournament going to the, through to a an eventual east japan rookie of the year the rest of the country then also has its own mini tournaments with the west japan Western Japan and Central Japan uh, signing on a representative for that region through three mini tournaments. And the West representative will then fight the East representative in the final, which gets televised live on G Plus every year. Um, yeah, it's one of the very few shows that gets live TV coverage in Japan. It is one of the annual big events. Um, probably a step or two down when you think of the high profile end of year bouts but it's a massive tournament gets a lot of press every year gets a lot of press at every stage of the tournament and it always delivers really good action there's something about tournaments especially in boxing that always bring out the best i think in, in fighters and we saw you know recently at the world level with uh the world boxing super series how many great fights that produced and I think we need more tournaments in boxing just in general. Uh, Japan does it right with this Rookie of the Year tournament every year. But in world boxing, if we could have more tournaments, I think it would help the sport. 
Yeah, I think Japan does it well in like smaller tournaments as well. They have Dangan B-class tournaments and A-class tournaments. They recently had the Hajime Noipo 30th anniversary tournament, and they had a the Kyo Dynamite tournament with Takashi Uchiyama and the Gozleft Shinsuke Yamanaka tournament. These tournaments are really fun to watch. They sell a story from the quarterfinals or the semifinals right through to the end of the event. They get you invested early on. They get you following the fighters right through. There are also launch pads. Uh, a few years ago, Junto Nakatani won Rookie of the Year. Um, and fighters throughout history, like uh, Fighting Harada won Rookie of the Year decades ago. They are really good launch pads, and other countries can start using something similar um, to help launch fighters very early in the career onto bigger and better things. Uh, let's move on out of Japan and into the Philippines, Scott, where Vic Saludar fought for a title i guess maybe he fought for a title a we title? just don't really know which one the dewey beard don't seem to know either um so yeah the former wbo minimum weight champion vic saludar first off with fellow filipino robert paradejo the bout was originally marketed as a wba regular minimum weight title bout and then Hours after the bout finished, um, Solidar was announced as the interim champion by the WBA, who I think we just got to start ignoring them, to be quite frank. They don't know their ass from their elbow most of the time, and it's really just a mess what they're doing with the boxing right now. Um, they recently stripped Bybert Shumanov after two and a half years of not fighting. They've got Trevor Bryan as a champion. I don't know what the WBA think they're doing right now, but we also don't know what title Vic Solidar won with a split decision over Paradejo over the weekend. Yeah, the WBA is confused because they have a regular title and a super title, an interim title, and this title and that title, and there's so many titles. I mean, it's almost worse than the email champion that they came up with, that the WBC came up with, but... It's a real problem that has come over boxing with all these different titles. I mean, four is enough, but when you start to add regular and recess, and it's just it's absurd. It devalues all the titles. We now have super champions that shouldn't be super champions. We have regular champions that shouldn't be champions full stop. We have... Uh, fighters like Hiroto Kaigushi, who we should be getting highly recognized, but he's not even the WBA's, WBA's only champion at the uh, light flyweight. Um, you then have gold champions, and yeah, it's an absolute mess, and I think it probably is time that we start ignoring anything the WBA do until they get to one champion. Four is enough. We don't need one of the four to have five different champions. It's ridiculous. Uh, in Korea... The KBC, they only have one champion. They have the, the featherweight title of the Korean world. Well, the KBC only have one title, but then we also have Boxing M's titles, KBA titles, KBF titles. Yeah, Korea itself has like five national titles, but <laughs> it's a mess. Um, but as for the belt, this was Don Kwan Lee versus Irma Amankolov. They put on an absolute war for 10 rounds. I thought Amankolov was really unfortunate to lose this one. I thought he outworked Lee. I thought he hurt Lee numerous times. 
Um, but Korean judge is preferring the natural Korean as opposed as opposed to the adopted um, Kazakhstani fighter. Regards, this is just an absolute barn burner. Um, yeah, well worth a hunt down. This is online on uh, one of the Korean YouTube channels who've posted the entire show. And it's a really good show, but the main event reset out. This is just action packed 10 rounds war. Korean boxing is back. Korean boxing is bad. This is so good, it's bad. Uh, just violent, violent action. I think this is like the second or third Korean show this year. And everyone's had something special in it. If you get the chance to watch Korean boxing live, take it. Ignore everything else and watch live Korean boxing. We've just traveled throughout Asia. We were in Japan. We were in the Philippines. We were in Korea. A lot of good boxing these past couple of weeks, this past month. Uh, but it, again, was slow. Scott had time to do other things. He was getting a little bored. But that trouble, that's that's going to be gone pretty soon, Scott, because we have a lot of news coming up with a lot of different fighters who are coming back in the ring. So, Scott, what type of news do we have um, that's that's exciting right now? The rumored date for Murjan Akmadalia versus Rieske Iwasa is April 3rd, and that's what was good about it, 122 pounds of unity. Akmadalia beat Daniel Roman uh, last year to win the unified WBA, unified WBA with background circles, and the IBF titles. Him versus Iwasa, that's really brilliant. Two hard-hitting southpaws, and that's meant to be in Uzbekistan on quite a stacked card. Uh, around three weeks later, we'll see Ria Abe's return as he takes on Koshin Takeshima. The main event of that card, we'll see Hironobu Matsunaga defending the Japanese light middleweight title against Ri Nakajima. On May 1st, around 10 days later, we'll see Kazuto Takisaka take on Riku Kunimoto in a bout that was originally arranged for last May, then last July, August, and November. I'm going to guess it's going to get cancelled at some point, but it's a great bout if we see it. Um, I couldn't a really talented youngster. Takasako's explosive, hard-hitting, and that should be really exciting. There's also a rumour that we'll see Masayoshi Nakatani take on Vasily Lomachenko at some point this year in um, what would be Lomachenko's first bout following the Teofimo Lopez bout. I think that's a very interesting fight, and I, I love... How tough Nakatani is. Now, Loma, again, is Loma. But, hey, you never know. You never know with Nakatani being so long and lanky. And with Loma perhaps having a few niggling injuries and a little bit of self-doubt bit maybe after that Lopez belt. Yeah, you never know. He'd favor Loma. But I think uh, we've seen Nakatani written off so many times in the past. Um, he's given no chance against Lopez and gave Lopez his tough spell. He's given no chance against Verdejo and Sot Verdejo. So that's not the gimme that perhaps it first appears. Sounds like we have a, a lot of action coming up. That Iwasa Akmadelia fight in Uzbekistan. Ooh, that that's a juicy one as well. Rea Abe back. So a lot of things that are coming up, Scott. You're going to be quite busy with a lot of bouts right around the corner. A couple of weeks ago, there was the legend exhibition fight. Uh, and we got to see, or at least people in Japan who had the pay-per-view got to see a bunch of different legends go up against each other. But Scott, what'd you think of that in no way Higa 
bout that was supposed to be all fun and games and turned into a firefight. As a phrase, it's all fun and games until someone loses an eye. And yeah, this was fun and games for the first round. And then it kind of get the feeling that Inuas want to make a point to Higa. Um, this is my division. This is my play yard. You're not invited. And he really just tried to embarrass uh, the poor Higa, who did willingly play along with Inuas. He took the pressure to him. He backed onto the ropes a few times, but the golfing class was really apparent. And you got to think for Higa, this is perhaps a little bit of a dressing down in public, a little bit of a showcase of how much he still needs to learn if he wants to be a world-class bantamweight, how his style from flyweight won't carry up as easily as he may have hoped. As for Inuit, uh, yeah, it seemed like he was very much wanting to say, I am so much better than you. And if you want to dream about fighting me, keep dreaming. Higa realized in boxing, there are levels. And even though you're a former world champ, you're talking about one of the best in the world right now in Inoue. And Inoue had his hands down. He said, you know what, let's take off the, the headgear. Uh, you know, let's let's give the, these fans a show. So it really was, I guess, maybe a little humiliating for Higa. But I I understand where Inoue was just trying to put a show on. Yeah. Yeah, it's perhaps not the belt of the... I think he wanted. I think he wanted um, Kazuto Ayaka to share the ring with him or something like that. I think he wanted one of the other supposedly elite names in Japanese boxing, and he ended up with the very good but not elite Higa. And he perhaps just wanted to wanted to show the difference between very good and elite. He was a little offended. He said, "You know what? You're putting me in with this guy. Give me a legend." There had been rumours it could have been Hayato Satsumi or um, Tenshin Nasukawa in sort of like the Japanese fan base when they were talking about who he knew he was going to face because the other fighters on the card all had their opponents announced way in advance. And Yeah, I guess he was a little bit offended by facing Higa and wanted to make an example of him. It's Asian Boxing, the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. Wan Hang, the GOAT. We thought he was gonna he was done after after the loss. But is he retired? No one really seems to know. A couple of weeks ago there was a tiny report saying that he's gonna hang them up and become a trainer in um some foreign country. No country was named, but it was implied he's probably gone over to Japan or the Philippines to become a trainer. And then he set up a restaurant with his father. And then about three days later, he came out and said, yeah, that report didn't really, it wasn't real. I am working with my father at the moment, but I'm not retired. I want revenge over uh, Panya Padabtri. So uh, it seems unlikely he's retired, uh, but he's retired in the past and unretired. So nobody knows, is I guess, the, the answer to that one. He's just trying to get back in the ring, I think. He he wants one more at least. He doesn't want to go out on a loss, right? You when you're when you have such a great career, you were undefeated, you were the goat, no one could touch you. To go out like that with a loss, that's no fun. You have to at least get either that rematch or maybe fight someone else and, and put up one more dub. The rematch seems to be the belt that he wants. It seems to be the belt his team wants. Um, but at 35, he's old for a minimum weight. So uh, maybe. He also doesn't want to fight until COVID's um, on the back foot in Thailand. 
So it could well be that he's 36 and that he just ages out the spot. If not, it'd be great to see that rematch. Uh, really, really good first bout. Fantastic scene go again. And also, Oguni and Owake, they were supposed to have their rematch. But a bump in the road, as it looks like Oguni has an injury and that rematch has been called off. Yeah, so Oguni got an injury in training a few weeks ago and he's had to pull out that bout, which was scheduled for April 28th. Yes, it's pretty good for him to pull that. I think Wacky has his number. Um, Wacky dominated him in the first bout about eight years ago. Ogunny's not been very active recently. He's not looked good since his career-defining performance against Jonathan Guzman. He got battered by Riske Awasa. He's looked poor since. I think Wacky would batter him. But it's still a shame to see it cancelled. I think that would have been a fantastic matchup. It's one that the fighters wanted. It's one that fans wanted. But yeah, I still see it's been a bit of a mismatch. I think Wack is too sharp and too good, too powerful. Um, so the injury may well have just saved a gunny from another loss. It's been the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. Asianboxing.info is the site. I know we've had a little lull for these past couple of months, but I can guarantee you the train is starting to chug. It's starting to get moving, and we have a lot of fights So make sure you go over and check out the website asianboxing.info. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Until next time, we'll talk to you later.